Hey, so uh, I've been thinking about the subject of the heart for some time, as Victor said, and I'm going to go into a new series speaking specifically on the heart. And there's so much I didn't realize when it comes to the heart, biblically speaking. It's vastly different than the way we translate it here culturally in America, according to biblical times versus the time of Christ. So, are you guys, I'll get in that in a minute. Are you guys having a good day? Is this not beautiful weather? I mean, it's talking about Thursday, you're going to be like 91. I know some of you are cringing over that, but I'm rejoicing I, I love it. I want to hold on to summer as long as I can. I'm looking forward to having a longer fall. And from what I hear, that's going to happen. So I'm enjoying it. It, it brings joy to my life. I had a, I, I like going, I know I'm a weirdo. I've said this before. I like going to the, uh, the cemetery and just rolling down the windows because nobody bothers me. And just having a time alone with God and, 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 and just praying and meditating and uh, I, I saw out of the corner of my eye this car coming around, and I knew who was in the car, and I'm thinking, how did these people find me in the cemetery? And I kind of like, I know, it's horrible. I kind of slumped that. Yeah, I'm going to point them out. Anyway, no, it was nobody here. But yeah, I had that moment, But because I, I need that time. I want that time, because it's so beautiful to just enjoy what God has given us and, and just shut down and shut everything out. But I've been having these moments where I just want to get a hold of God and pray and have that intimate time. And I've been so convicted about the heart. And I thought, you know, before I get into that, I felt strongly led to go this direction. And I wasn't going to start the series off this way. Uh, I'll start the series next week, but I believe it gives preparation. And I'm going to look at a passage of scripture that's found in Judges. And... Uh, the, the, the subject that we're talking about is, or the, the title is, Where the Path Leads. We're going to look at this road that led down a path to a place called Gaza. And some call it Gaza. But the road to Timnoth leads to Gaza. But where is your path leading? And so in Judges chapter 13, if you've got your Bible app, go ahead and use it. Take your tablet out, your iPad, maybe a pad of paper. If you have your Bible in your hand, that's great. We're going to look in Judges chapter 13, and we're going, to, we're going to study the life of Samson and look at it from a different point of view. Is everybody with me? Yes, sir. Let's start off right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, that you clear my mind. Help me to have clarity of mind. Help me, help me to speak exactly the way you'd have me to speak. Speak through me. Use me for your honor and your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Judges chapter 13 explains in verse 1 that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of God. Now, if you do evil in the sight of anybody, it's bad. But when you do evil in the sight of God, it's real bad. And the Bible says in that same passage of Scripture, And the Lord delivered them, being the children of Israel, into the hands of of the Philistines for 40 years. Now that's interesting to me. Because of the actions and the lifestyle you're living, I'm going to put you in bondage with your enemy. And so the Philistines are now controlling the situation. And so we come to this situation and look at what's happening and how dire it is and the need for victory and a need for deliverance. So God does something so cool. He rises up a superhero. And I love this passage of scripture because I don't think people really understand. This is a, a living, breathing, real superhero. This is not a fictitious character. And so here's the Philistines 
reigning and controlling. And Samson, uh, the son of Manoah, is now birthed into the world with this, with this purpose. And that's what we're going to look at. He was a Nazarite, a person that was separated from everything to focus on the will of God, holy unto the Lord. And so in Numbers chapter 6, it gives a clear uh, picture of what this Nazarite does and what he looks like to abstain from wine and strong drink. He was to abstain from cutting his hair because that was a representation of his vow that he's made to God. He was separated from all others unto the Jehovah God. And uh, no physical contact with anything that's dead. There's a lot of history there. We're not going to go into that history. I just want to kind of paint this picture by way of introduction so you can have a clarity of what this looks like. So here this individual is born into this family for this purpose, that individual being Samson, to deliver the people out of bondage, to liberate them, to give them an opportunity to be what they were called to be. Because at this point... They've learned what they need to learn. They've been through a lot, and now it's time to be liberated. And so God raises up this man named Samson. And so his sole purpose was to bring victory and, uh, and to liberate the people. So there's a path. And I'm going to be so simplistic so you can catch on like me. I, I, I like things simple. Um, <clears throat> one of my favorite teachers, don't want to po- point him out, is John because he's so in-depth, and I love the thoroughness of, uh, of his teaching. And, uh, and I believe there's so much meat here, but I want to draw your attention to the simplicity of this passage of Scripture in Judges chapter 13, verse 5. And I want you to look at this road that he takes from Timnoth that leads to Gaza and the path that he chose to take in his life. And I want you to do this. I want you to think about your life. And I want you to think specifically this way. Why are you here? If you can breathe in and breathe out, you're alive for a purpose. There's a reason you're here. It's not just to go through life and maintain a job, a family, or whatever lifestyle you choose to live. You have a reason for being here. Regardless of how old you are or how young you are, there is a purpose for your life. And it's a God-given purpose, and I believe that. Where is your path leading you? So this is what we're going to do in Judges chapter 13 and verse 5. We're going to look at this passage of Scripture and dive right in. First thing I want you to see about Samson is Samson's potential. His potential was great because he was created By God. I know that seems simple, but I want you to listen. Judges chapter 13, verse 5. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For this child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. He has purpose. And so, here's Samson's mother in shock that she's going to have this child. But this is not just a normal child. This child is set aside from all other people because he's specifically given a job and a duty. And it reminds me of us as Christians. We're pilgrims. We're set set apart. We're unique and we're different. And that's important for you to understand as you look at this and, and as we study through this. Samson's potential was great because he was created by God with a purpose And the Bible says in Judges 13, verse 5, And she'll begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. That is the purpose. Forty years of bondage to the Philistines is coming to a close. You're the man that's going to do it. 
You, Samson, are going to deliver the children of Israel out of the bondage that they've been experiencing. Because his, he was created by God with a purpose, but with also abilities. The Bible says if we study that, his life and what all he accomplished, weird, unusual things took place. Like the burning of the fields of the Philistines as he got older. With, with using like 300 foxes as he took their tails and lit them on fire and set them loose inside the, in the fields. That's so unique. Who could even catch 300 foxes with their own light them on fire and set them free into the fields? I, I think I would find a different way of lighting the fields on fire. Or killing a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Who does that? A man that was uniquely created by God for a purpose and a reason. Because he was created by God with purpose and with abilities to do something profound and amazing. God designed you for a purpose. And I'm going to tell you this, and I believe this with all my heart, and I think you really need to pay attention at this point, as simplistic as this is. If you do not realize your purpose, you will never realize what you were meant to do with your life. You will never be successful. You will never enjoy life. You will suffer with anxiety, depression, and frustration because you are living life in a fog. You don't even know why you're here. Now, I know this is unique because Samson specifically knew what he was called to do. To deliver the Israelites out of the bondage of the Philistines. To liberate them. I wish it was that easy, don't you? I wish I had a note from God that says, Dave Liuzzo, you beautiful man, you. You were meant to do some amazing things for me. You were meant, I wish I knew this like a year and a half ago, two years ago, to plant Thrive Church, and this is what it's going to look like. This is the building you're going to get. You don't even have to figure it out. This is the building. I, I've laid it all out for you. How about, let's, let's rewind over 20 years ago. Dave, you're going to get married, and this is the person you're going to marry. I have a purpose for you, My, and, 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 I, and I know exactly what I want for your life and the woman I want in your life. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, if you're a college student or, or you're not married and you're you know, in high school, you've wondered, who am I going to marry? Well, believe it or not, that person you're going to marry is probably living right now somewhere, I hope they are, or you're going to marry someone very young if they haven't been born yet. <laughs> that would just be creepy and weird, but... They're here. They're somewhere. I don't know where they're at. I was living in Alabama. I didn't know my wife-to-be was living in Ohio. That was God's purpose for my life. I didn't know what it looked like because God didn't lay it out on paper and made it easy. He didn't make it easy. I didn't have a scrapbook I could flip through to see my future. But all I knew is this. I am created by God. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And God created me with a purpose and with abilities. Now, my abilities are not your abilities. I cannot spell very well. I hate reading in front of people. And I don't need any amens right now. And the fact of the matter is, I'm just not the most intelligent guy in the world. I, again, no amens are needed at this point. I have abilities that you don't have, and you have abilities I don't have. All I know is this. The abilities that God has given me, I want to use for His glory. And I want to do His will with those things. Some people do not know how to connect with people. They are socially incompetent. They have no ability to communicate with others. But boy, administration, they're really good at. They have the ability to do things and organize things in a way I could never imagine. Those gifts, outside of spiritual gifts, are given to you from God for something amazing. 
Samson's potential was great. It's amazing what God was going to do with his life because he was created by God with a purpose and with beautiful abilities. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.27, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I'm one of those foolish things. I'm glad I'm getting used. But God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. That's the way God works. I get discouraged sometimes. I'm just being honest. I, and I know you do too. I, <clears throat> as my son smiles at me because he knows my discouragements. <clears throat> I get discouraged at times thinking, how's God going to use me? How can God use my abilities? How can God use my life? There's so many people that can do it so much better than I can. I feel like I'm dropping the ball all the time. When it comes to my wife, when it comes to my kids. I know God has a purpose for me, but I feel like I miss it sometimes because I drop the ball. And I'm down on myself. And then I start studying scripture. The biggest losers in the world were used by God. I mean, every time I'm reading through God's word, specifically Old and New Testament, it doesn't matter, but specifically the New Testament, I'm running into person after person that has flaws and failures. But they have potential, and God uses that potential in their abilities, and, and he uses them for a purpose regardless. If you go to the Old Testament, I see David. Wow, he had everything. And over and over again, he's messing things up. And then I see, I see people like Moses, and I'm thinking, this guy is just amazing. And I study and read on how he had that encounter with God himself at the, the burning bush, and, and, and the standing in the presence of God when he received the Ten Commandments, but he was a murderer. Then I'm feeling a lot better. I've never committed adultery. I haven't murdered anybody. I'm just realizing that God uses people regardless of who they are or how weak they are because he has something special for them. And Samson's potential was great just like the potential we have in this room. It's mind-blowing the potential of the people that help plant Thrive Church, the abilities they have, the purpose And God used these people to do what we're doing right now. Notice this too. Samson's potential was great because he was created by God, but but he was it it was great because he was blessed by God. He was blessed with a godly family. They loved the Lord. They wanted to honor the Lord, his father and his mother. And they specifically obeyed God's will and the commandments that were put on their son to abstain from strong drink, things that were dead, and they were making it a point in their life that they were going to honor God. I think it's an incredible thing when we see families that purpose to have their family attend church faithfully, have their kids involved in a youth group that's solid, they go above and beyond to make sure their kids are grounded in the Word of God. That is a godly family. Because he was blessed by God with a godly family, he was also... Uh, blessed with God with uh, health. I, I, I didn't even realize how important health is until you get to a certain age. I'm not that old. I'm only, I'm only 44. But I start, I, I've been thinking about this a lot. I'm just being very practical, okay? So if you're under the age of 25, you need to listen to me right now. This is very important. I never thought about it when I was in high school, how important health is, because my health really determines what I can do for God. And how I take care of the temple, you know. When I was in Alabama growing up, I didn't even think about my life. I didn't even care when I was in high school. When we climbed the top of a mountain and it was clear, and Tony said, my brother, let's get in this barrel and roll down the mountain. I didn't think, 
you know what? My leg could come out of the barrel, get ran over by the barrel, and I could possibly lose a leg or crush the leg. Something crazy could happen. We just rolled down the mountain, and it ended drastically. It was horrible. But my whole life, I just processed things differently and didn't realize all the wonderful benefits of having a blessing of health and ramping into ponds and climbing trees and the weirdest things we did, swinging from tree to tree as they were just pliable trees and just bending back and forth and falling out of the trees and so forth. And I guess that's why I have so many mental issues now in my life. Let me say this. I believe with all my heart that God has set us up for success. God has set you up for success. I, I, when I was 19, I, I, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I didn't know that I would have to deal with multiple sclerosis. But at that time, when I was 19, going through college, I began to realize how important it was to take my medication and make sure I'm taking my vitamins and following all this, these regiments and all these things that was required of me by my doctor because I was determined that I did not want to end up in a wheelchair before the age of 25 because I knew God called me to do something greater than what I was doing. I knew God called me to preach. What am I trying to say? I do not take it lightly when God blesses me with a, God, a godly family and health. And neither should you. God has given you an ability to do something amazing for him. You need to use the life you have right now and use it to bring glory and honor to God and expand the kingdom of God. I don't know if this is really setting in. Let me make it very clear. Let me just put very blunt. Shame on us if we have a really good life. We're not suffering with cancer. We're not suffering with a disability. And we do nothing for God Almighty. We do nothing. We just manage our life for our own pleasure. There's a problem there. And it saddens me because I see so many people that want to do big things from God, for God, but they can't because they're, they're disabilities. Donna Tenney, one of the precious ladies that went to Fellowship Baptist Church, she's a shut-in. She suffers with so many different health issues, but she never stops texting people and encouraging them with a small little Bible study that she d sends by way of a text message. That's all she can do. But I know people that are just fine and they won't do anything for God. They have potential that's great because they were created by God and they have purpose and they have abilities and God has blessed them even with a godly family and some don't have a godly family but they still have a decent family and, and they've been given health but they're doing nothing, nothing, nothing for God. They're just managing their own lifestyle and their own life. It's, it's, you got to check yourself. And that's where Samson was. This is a guy that's grown up with good health Incredible potential and ability and knows exactly what his purpose is. Now, snapshot. Where are you? Do you know your purpose? What has God called you to do? Why are you here? Now, if you haven't figured some of that out just yet, you will. I hope you seek God and, and figure those things out. But Samson took a journey in a direction that wasn't meant for him. Samson's potential was great, but number two, Samson's path was wrong. Because he chose to go a downward direction. It literally says that in scripture. I know this is geographically speaking. But his downward direction was led in the in, in direction of lust, temptation, and addiction. The Bible says in Judges chapter 14, 1 through 3. And Samson went down to Timnoth. And saw a woman in Timnoth of the daughters of the Philistines. Out of all people, the Philistines. The, the enemy. And in verse 2... 
He came and told his father and mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnoth of the daughters of the Philistines. Now he says, get her for me to wife. It's like, I like this girl. I know she's the enemy, but that doesn't matter. I know I was born into the world to literally destroy these people, but I, I kind of want to marry one. And the mother said unto him, is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren? Among their own people? Why do you have to go the world's direction? Why can't you be satisfied with somebody that's God-honoring? What's wrong with you? What are you thinking? And so they're trying to convince Samson this is a bad idea. The direction, the direction you're going, the path you're taking is wrong. Okay? You, you are Samson and you have potential that is great because you are uniquely created by God for a pers- pur- purpose and you have all these abilities. You're blessed with a beautiful family that's God-honoring. You have your health, but yet you choose to take a path that is in the wrong direction. To go the wrong way. Why? Well, the the reason why he was going uh, downward is because of lust. Verse 3. They said, is there never a woman amongst the the daughters of thy brother or or among all my people that you would rather take of, of a woman of the Philistines? Paraphrasing here. And Samson said this at the end of verse 3. He said unto his father, get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. In other words... I like it, I want it, and I do not care how reasonable you are speaking. Doesn't matter to me. Get her for me. Do not care the direction I'm going. Get her for me. This is all lust. The infatuation with the world is destroying the nation. Where we are so consumed with make what makes us happy. I don't know why I did this last night. I was watching The Tonight Show. I, I did a throwback with Johnny Carson. 1975, I clicked on it, and I'm like, I just, you know, just wanted to see Johnny Carson. I remember at the tail end of Johnny Carson's uh, Tonight Show, uh, I, I would see my dad watching Johnny Carson. He has such a unique voice. He was just a unique guy. And um, <clears throat> I think, who is it? Jimmy Fallon took his place. And so I had that throwback moment where I'm thinking, man, that was an easier time. I, I, I just forgot, and I'm not even that old, and I just forgot how different life was then. Now, everything is at the tip of your fingers. It's all about self-gratification. It's all about give it to me now. If I want it, I'll get it. We, we, we got, I, what, I remember when I was probably 18 years old trying to get from point A to point B and having to use a map. Who uses maps now? I mean, I just tell, I just, I just put it in my phone and I'm ready to go. I can't imagine any other way of doing things. Where's my point? We have it so easy. Everything at the, at the tip of our fingers. And yet, we are so filled with what we want instead of what God wants. I feel like the easier life gets, the harder it is to motivate people to do something for God. It's funny, uh, we were running into people as we were passing out bottles of water, and the number one question that I've noticed, I don't know if you heard them say this, is like, how long is your service? Which is a reasonable question. I mean, we meet at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So what we're only, we try to meet for one hour. That's our goal, one hour. There's like, oh, that's great. You know why that's great? Because everybody's busy. I've got baseball and basketball and football practice and ballet and Whatever else, karate, and we, we go, 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 go. And it's all about making time for what matters most to you, to you, right? 
And within that mix, we lose track of what our potential is for God and His will is for our life. And Samson's path was consumed with this idea of going the wrong direction because he was full of lust and desire and says, get it for me, she pleases me well. It was also temptation. He finally convinces his family to go with him to meet this woman. Can you imagine? Mom, dad finally are going on a journey with Samson to the Philistines to meet the woman that he wants to marry. And the Bible says in Judges chapter 14 and verse 5, Then went Samson, there's the word again, down. Because his path was wrong. It was wrong because it was going in the wrong direction. And his father and his mother, the Bible says in verse 5, to Timnoth. And then they came to the vineyards of Timnoth. The direction they went was very tempting. He's never allowed to drink of an alcoholic drink, to abstain from that. But yet, his path leads right by it. I feel like I'll often, I'm just going to hit this on the head and move on. I think in life, we put ourselves in a place of temptation intentionally. I, I've done it. If you have not done that, I commend you. Wonderful. But too often on our path of life, we choose a path that leads in the wrong direction. Some are consumed with the lust, but also some are just consumed with the idea of tempting themselves. We get as close to the edge as we possibly can. It's like, it's not, it's not bad. It's just this close to being bad. It's okay. And that's how marriages fall apart. That's how adultery enters into your marriage. That's how you start, that's how you get addicted to pornography. That's how you get involved with having an alcohol problem or drug problems. It's because we put ourselves right on that edge of temptation. And the Bible says he, of course, he went on through there in that, that area of land. And the Bible says that he came across uh, a lion. And the Bible says the young lion roared against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mighty upon him. And he rent it. He destroyed it. He ripped it apart. He killed the lion with his bare hands. And he didn't even tell his parents what happened. Apparently, they weren't in the same area. And he moved on. Finally, the Bible says in verse chapter 14, 7 through 9, and he went down, there's the word down again, and talked with a woman, and she pleased Samson well. She, she made him happy. I, I, I'll tell you, it's always going to be an enjoyment for a period of time when you finally fulfill the temptation. You, know, you, you put yourself in a lustful position, you tempt yourself, and finally you give into it because the direction you chose is in the wrong direction, and before you know it, Everything you wanted is now coming true for a season. For a season. I, um, I think in that moment in verse 8, he thought, this is going to be awesome. I mean, I'm going to make an example out of the Philistines. I'm not only going to defeat the Philistines, I'm going to marry one of them, convert her, and everything's going to be awesome. If you're preparing to get married, you should never put somebody in your life that doesn't believe what you believe. I say, there's a lot of people say, that's so dogmatic. I can't believe you say something like that. It doesn't work that way. So, well, I'm going to be a good influence on them. I'm going to convert them. I'm going to change them. You ain't going to do nothing. It's not even your job to do that. Your job is to follow the Lord and do whatever He's asked you to do and fulfill His will. God converts people, not you. You're not the influencer. You, they may see an example in you, but it's not your job or your duty to do that. Verse 8, the Bible says, and after a time he returned to take her. And he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and he was moving back to his home. And on the way, he found the carcass of the lion. This had to be a month to 
maybe three months later. And inside the carcass of the lion was a swarm of bees and honey. Anything like that is not going to be touched by me, all right? But he was tempted, he indulged in it, and he was not to touch anything that was dead, but he did so. And the Bible says he took it and he even went to his mom and his dad and he shared it with them as well. When you get involved with sin, it's amazing how you can get your family involved with your sin too, without them even realizing what's happening. And so they ate of it. And the Bible says he went on eating. This is the addiction. Samson's path was wrong because it, it was a downward direction of lust, the temptation, and then there's this addiction. He's so consumed with this woman that's the enemy. He's so consumed with his fleshly desires. And now he's eating of the honey that's in the carcass of the lion. And the Bible says he just kept on eating. They say in Alaska, I don't know if this is true. You guys just went to Alaska, right? He said years ago there was such a problem with wolves that would enter in into the, the different uh, farm land and and eat of their livestock and kill their chickens and just destroy everything that they're trying to raise up. And uh, they didn't know how to fix the problem. So somebody came up with the solution by taking a large blade. And you may have heard this illustration before, but I thought it was so interesting. They take a large blade and almost like a double-edged sword, dip it in water and freeze it, and then dip it in blood and freeze it, and dip it in water and freeze it, and blood, water, blood, water, until they had a massive frozen blade mixed with water and blood. And then they go into the field and they put it in the field and plant it as deep as they could in the snow. And then they'd wait. Because what would happen is the wolf would go out, sniff out the blood, and start to lick it as if it was a big old lollipop. And he'd lick, and he'd lick, and all of a sudden, the blood's gone, and now he's just hitting the ice. And he's thinking to himself, this isn't good anymore. I don't like this. But for whatever reason, he just keeps on licking. Because he thinks there might be a chance he's going to taste that blood again, and he does. And he starts licking the blood again. He gets to the layer of blood, and he's licking, and he's licking. And then he gets to the ice. And then he gets to the blood. Before he knows it, he's licking and licking and licking to the point that his tongue becomes numb. And doesn't even realize what he's doing any longer. So he's no longer licking the blood that was frozen. Now he's licking the blade in his own blood. And he licks and he licks and he licks. To his tongue is literally cut into pieces. And he bleeds to death in the field. Why? Because he was so addicted. And he thought what he was doing was so right. And it felt so good. He became numb to the reality of what was really happening. Listen, Samson's path was wrong, and the reason it was wrong is because it led in a direction of addiction. You can think to yourself all you want, you got this, you got this, you got this, you got this, but you do not got it. And if you do not utilize accountability and lean on somebody that's going to help you get up and move on, you will continue to indulge in whatever you're indulging and think you're okay, and before you know it, you're so far gone and so numb Nobody can help you. And the reality is, maybe you don't want anybody to help you. Samson's path was wrong. Look at this. Samson's penalty was death. It didn't last long, the relationship with the Philistine. It fell apart. 
And before you know it, if you fast forward to Judges chapter 16, he meets a new woman, a woman that we all know very well according to Scripture. In verse 4 it says, And it came to pass afterward that he loved. He he wasn't infatuated. He said he loves her. He loves a woman in the valley of Sorek. And this woman is named Delilah. And this area of land is interesting because it's, 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 it's located between the enemy and God's people. It's kind of a lukewarm area. If you, imagine that. He's no longer all the way with the enemy. He's not with God's people. Now he's just in between. And when, things, when you start compromising and, and you become lukewarm, things really fall apart. And the Bible says he loved the woman and her name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came unto her and said unto her, Entice him, and see where his great strength lies. So they began to pressure her and give her an opportunity. And so she did. And the Bible says in chapter 16 and verse 15, And she said unto him, How can thou say that you love me when thy heart is not with me? So Samson's begin to soak this up and listen to her words and she starts to pressure him. Ask him, where does your strength lie? I mean, if you really love me, give me your heart. And then you can prove yourself to me. And so if you know the story, that he begins to paint this picture of what could defeat him. And, and if you tie my hands and he goes on to one after another scenario, if you fulfill this, then I will lose my strength Finally, she begins to realize all of these are lies. And he feels the pressure, as the Bible says, his soul was vexed with unto death because she was so overwhelming with nagging in verse 16. Now, I've never been to that point where my wife has nagged me so badly that my soul was vexed to death. The Bible says it's better to dwell on a housetop than in the house with a brawling woman. At this moment, he just wanted to die. He was sick and tired of her nagging. So in the Bible says in verse 17... He told her all his heart. He literally gave her his heart. He said, enough's enough. And I'm going to tell you, you will get to that point in life. If you choose the path that leads in the wrong direction, you will finally get to a point where you say, enough's enough. There is so much pressure on me at school. There's so much pressure on me in college. There's so much pressure on me at home. I just don't want to fight it anymore enough's enough, and you will give up some things that are very dear to you when you give up your heart. Have you ever been pushed to that point? Are you to that point where you're about to compromise some crucial things in your life and you're willing to give it all up? If you are, I'm going to tell you something. You better evaluate because before we get into the series starting next week, you need to look at your heart starting right now. Samson said, I had enough. I can't deal with the pressure anymore. So he spills the beans, the Bible says in verse 17, and he lays it all out there for her. And he explains where his weakness is. If you shave my head, I will lose my strength and be like any other man. Not because his strength was in his hair. It's because he was obeying God. Obedience is the strength. And that's the same true today. It's obedience to God. Whatever God wants, that's what we do. And that's where our strength lies. So she did just that. It's interesting because he must have been sleeping really deep. Because the Bible says when he went to sleep, she shaved his head and actually had a barber come in and do it. Imagine that. Somebody did it for her. Talking about a deep sleeper. And then she woke him. And he could not fight. And he was captured. And they took him. And this is what happened, the Bible says, in Judges chapter 16, verse 21. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down 
to Gaza, or Gaza. Let me say it this way. The road to Timnoth led to Gaza. It started off in the will of God and ended with his own will, his own way, his own path. And the Bible says he lost his eyes. I can't imagine what they did to take his eyes, but I'm sure they didn't numb him. I'm sure it wasn't in surgery. But sin blinded him. But the Bible goes on and says, they bound him in verse 21 at the end of that verse. I believe not only sin will blind you, but it will bound you. It will hold you back from all your potential, all your abilities, all your purpose, and prevent you from doing something amazing for God. I know this seems simplistic, but the Bible also clarifies that the sin broke him. And he did grind in the prison house. Grinding in the prison house, grinding wheat was made for women. It was a point they were trying to make. You're no, you're no better than any woman. You're as weak as a woman. Where are you on your path? Has sin finally got you to the point where you're experiencing the blindness being bound and broken? Because if you're going through life and you've become so numb to sin that you don't even notice you're doing it, there is a problem. There's movies that people all watch. I've had conversations, and some of the most vile things are in the movie. And they'll say, I don't even notice. I don't watch it for that reason. That sounds really cool. Like, you're, you, know, you, you got your head screwed on right. It's, you got it all figured out. But that's not good. That's exactly where Satan wants you. When you get to the point where you, it becomes so normal, you don't notice it, that's the problem. Y'all following me? Yeah. If you're so comfortable with foul language in your, uh, coming out of your own mouth that you don't even notice you say it, that's a problem. Are y'all following me? You're so comfortable cons- wasting away your money and not being a good steward of what God has given you that you don't even pay attention to budgets. That's a problem. You're so comfortable living the way you want and never giving back to anything outside of yourself. That's a problem. And before you know it, you are blinded to what you're doing and bound by sin. And you're doing exactly what Satan wants you to do. And before it's over, you're going to be so broken, you're going to wish that you could turn everything around. But it was too late for him, according to Judges chapter 16, verse 23. Because he was drug out in front of all the people in the Colosseum. And you know this iconic story where he was placed between two pillars. And the Bible says at that moment, he asked God to avenge him. He wanted to prove that God is still almighty and powerful. He wanted to fulfill his purpose at that moment. Plus, I believe he just wanted to kill those people as well. Regardless if it took his own life. And the Bible explains in in Judges chapter 16 verse 22, excuse me, 23 and 30, that it was at that moment that he took down the house, according to this passage of scripture, by his own hands. Not only slew more in that moment than he ever slew in his lifetime of the Philistines, but he slew his, he, he took his own life. Literally committed suicide. Where you're at in your life, but I can promise you, The direction you choose to go will determine your penalty if you choose to do it your way and go your direction. But if you choose God's direction, choose you this day as the Word of God says in the Old Testament who you will serve. Joshua said, will it be the gods of your forefathers? 
or the Jehovah God. I feel like we are at a point in our families that we have to decide who are we going to serve. What direction are we going to go? What are we going to do with what God has given us to do? Would you bow with, with, with me for a word of prayer? I want to make this as simple as possible, and I'm going to ask you to do this. Ask yourself this question, where am I on my path of life? Okay, so we have different people in here, and I'm going to ask for a show of hands. How many of you are in here are a grandparent? Would you raise your hand? Okay. You may put your hand down. How many would say, I'm, I'm a, I am a parent, I have children? Would you raise your hand? How many say, I am married? Would you raise your hand? Okay. How many say, I'm not married, I do not have any children? That's where I'm at right now. Would you raise your hand? Okay, good. Here's the last one. How many say, I'd like to get married? Would you raise your hand? Maybe not right now, but eventually. I saw one just shake his hand like, maybe. <laughs> Here's the thing. All of these areas in your life, wherever you're at, is a journey and a path. If you do not make a conscious decision from your heart and say, I am determined, I am determined to take the path that leads in the right direction, I promise you, you will continue to go down, 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 and the road to Timnoth always leads to Gaza, and where the path leads determines what your life will be. Whether you're a grandparent, whether you're a parent, whether you're married or not married, right now you need to determine what am I going to do with my life?